serious trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe. This is episode 28 of G.I. Joeberg, South Africa's only podcast about G.I. Joe. In this episode, we're going to be talking Sideshow. It's something that we've skirted for a number of weeks now. In fact, we've skirted since the beginning of this podcast for a number of reasons. Maybe because the most vocal member of this podcast has an axe to grind against Sideshow collectibles and their G.I. Joe subset. And is a fascist. <laughs> he hates the dollies. Yes, so tonight I will be under assault by the Dolly Lama, aka Paul, and Sideshow Bob, aka Rob, <laughs> who will be trying to convince me that in actual fact I do need a Dolly in my life. Both these gentlemen have Sideshow collectible G.I. Joe figures, or could we call them figures? Uh, 12 inch monstrosities. <laughs> I, Stephen, do not. So it's going to be basically a two-on-one debate. I'm going to oppose the motion for buying sideshow figures, and Paul and Rob will desperately propose. Enforce the motion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, propose, yes, propose is a good word. Yes, well, it is the um, antonym to oppose. Wow, big words. I know, English major. Not really. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so, any other preambulous uh, introductions, prologues uh, you gentlemen would like to add to uh, episode 28? Yeah, I think uh, it's probably a good time to mention that uh, previous to this podcast, the, the person who had their birthday most recently was Paul. And I Yay. think from myself, Stephen, and our, our listeners, happy birthday, Paul. Happy birthday, Aww. Paul. Thank the you, big, guys. The big three zero. Yes, it's my G.I. Joe 30th anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't say it's been bad, because it's actually been pretty awesome. I got some cool stuffies out of it, and some of which I'll go into now. I finally got a a tiger cat. Sorry, I had to think about that. I nearly called it a tiger fish for some reason. Oh, buddy, I I was trying to remember the name of that vehicle... All afternoon, <laughs> like tight. It's it's a snow cat, so it's got a cat in the word. But what's the first tig- word? Tiger force. Well, you know, it's 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 redundancy. Yes, okay. tiger cat. Like, what kind of cat is your cat? It's a tiger cat. <laughs> all tiger force vehicles are kind it's of absurd cat. in their naming because they've worked the word tiger in and some element of the vehicle's previous name. So a rattler becomes a tiger rat. But what the fuck is a tiger rat? Okay, like <laughs> zoologically, what? a tiger fish. Okay, a tiger fish. That's you a real get a thing, ti- isn't yeah. it? Well, there are tiger sharks. Okay. So expand upon that. Tiger fish, fine. Tiger fly. I suppose a fly <laughs> with tiger stripes would be a tiger fly. But a tiger cat is just redundant. Tiger paw and tiger claw. These are like elements of the tiger. But a tiger cat, uh, I don't know. They didn't have an eye of the tiger. No, they didn't have a tiger eye. You're right. And they weren't very well going to call it the tiger snow. So, tiger cats. But, (laughs) carry on, boy. So I got a tiger cat, which is really badass, because I've got this serious um, hankering for Tiger Force stuff, and I've had one now for a while. Yeah, can you you pin down the reason for that? Dude, I'm... (laughs) (laughs) 
you're gonna laugh at me. <laughs> and it's kind of really embarrassing. So, a few episodes back, uh, I got a Darklawn Evader and a Tiger Shark. Um, and a, um, from a store down in Cape Town, which, uh, Rob and Steven, or Rob, or Steven actually rather managed to find. And, uh, managed to get us some cool stuff. And they also tend, uh, seem to have a Tiger Paw. And I had a Tiger Paw at my disposal when I was a kid, uh, to play with, as well as a Tiger Fish. And these were really, really great, like, little vehicles. I always thought the colors were pretty striking. But I never, like, thought, hey, you know, shit, i got to owe myself a tiger fish. And then they released that stupid, and I say stupid mostly because I can't get my hands on it right now, subscription line of G.I. Joe figures. And they got a Tiger Force shipwreck. And I think it's the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> but it's got me into really wanting Tiger Force stuff. I don't really follow your line of reasoning. So... A, an absurd he, figure kind of was the yeah. straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, that figure is so stupid, I think I want to get all the vintage Tiger Force stuff. Yeah, pretty That's much. so stupid cool. I mean, you know, you, you can't help what you what you'd like. That's the know? thing. It's just one of those things. It's like, I also, but then, you know, as a, like, now that I'm like really into it, I'm like, I love the Tiger Force aesthetic. I mean, we had a Tiger Force episode at one stage as well, and that also got me thinking about Tiger Force quite a bit. And, I really like Tiger Force. I think they're cool characters from previous years all collapsed into the same subset. So there's a, an aesthetic that runs through them. It's a bit all over the place, but it does unite them in some ways. And they're really out there. Uh, I remember seeing a, a Dutch catalog, actually, that advertised the Tiger Force very vividly. It was beautiful. It was this great setup with all the vehicles and the figures from the initial line of Tiger Force uh uh, toys kind of working their way through this jungle with a drawbridge and uh, a sort of lookout post, beautifully sculpted environments that had all the figures showcased doing their things. Like Roadblock was riding the, the tiger paw, for instance, and, and Tripwire was walking through the river with uh, his, his mind detector deployed. Like everyone was kind of like, Doing something cool. Maraudering through the jungle, like doing very Tiger Forcey, jungly G.I. Joe stuff. And I thought, well, you know, th there's definitely some fun to be had there. There's a unity. Like the fact that they are a subset identifies them as a cohesive jungle operations unit. Whereas you can cut and paste all the various specialists from G.I. Joe and put together a pretty cool team. But it'll never have yeah. that stamp of officiality. Like the Tiger Force have a badge and they have vehicles that are all custom suited to their purpose. You know, there's a lot of fun to be had there. I mean, yeah, that's they, ultimately they... what it's about. Fun, right? I mean, exactly. these and... are not geared at the ultimate realism angle that G.I. Joe had. And it just got a great aesthetic. I really love the tiger print on the vehicles. It's a bit pimping, actually. Um, God, never let me say the word pimping on the show again. Ostentatious? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean... The thing is, like, the only r real setting that that would work in is, like, a, I don't know, a snow-covered children's playground where most of the snow is yellow anyway. I mean, that's the only way you can Christ! <laughs> you know, melting. Oh. lots of fun to be had with vehicles as a six-year-old in that kind of scenario. But, you know, it's really cool. I don't know. Just uh, Like Stephen said, the uniformity of it is actually quite a, a drawing card as well. I mean, if we have to, like really pick it apart and, and excuse Paul's crazy notions. That is something that is a huge draw card to Tiger Force. 
But I'm getting too into my snowcat, which I love. I got another great addition to my line, something that I've been wanting and needing for a long, long time. Many listeners of the show will know that I'm quite a big Dreadnought fan and that Rob's not. And uh, <laughs> I finally got Buzzer, uh, Modern Era Buzzer, courtesy of Rob and uh, and Steve, technically. I'm not sure, actually. I just got them both in a box, so they're both from you guys, and I, I dig <laughs> it. I, it's so cool to finally have Buzzer as part of my Dreadnought team, and now I have all the real Dreadnoughts, and it makes me very happy. And as far as the you Dreadnoughts know. are concerned, Buzzer's kind of a pivotal character. Yeah. I mean, card does kind of espouse him to be the most educated of the Dreadnoughts. I don't think that's saying much, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ditched his kind of degree to ride with an Australian biker gang. But, you know, at least he's got a few brain cells rumbling around upstairs. Exactly. And he's a Brit. So, you know, damn those Australians. So over them. Thank goodness he's <laughs> at least from, you know, the kingdom. I'm just really glad I got him. And he's a decent figure as far as 20 foot score. Um, he has a lot of the same teething problems that a lot of 20 foots from that era had. But uh, I don't care. I think he's great. And I've got him as a character. And now, you know, I can have him on my cool G.I. Joe missions. And that's really what's important. Um, Maybe use Buzzer that, on your G.I. Joe missions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You will be the bad guy. <laughs> Obviously. Chainsawing dogs left, right, and center. Center, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say that too loud. You know, there's no we advocate that kind of behavior. And, uh, yeah, and then on top of that, I scored some cool little vintage Joes as well. Uh, Major Altitude, I think, is his name. Uh, <laughs> You're really going to mention those guys? They were just like, you know, th- throw-ins to fill out the box a bit. Bonuses. They were, but I have to say that that is Gung-Ho is one of my favorites. I love the battle called Gung-Ho. All right. Uh, the... I think it's great. Incidentally, he has a tiger stripe. Motif. Yeah. 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 So he'll mesh nicely with the tiger cat, I imagine. He's like a red tiger force. <laughs> but that was pretty cool. And then a present I got to, for myself, or well, kind of ended up coming around the same time as my birthday or close to, is Major Blood. Dolly. Dolly, it's a Dolly. Yes. And then my girlfriend managed to get me something really cool. Um, I got the Danger Girl G.I. Joe crossover hardcover graphic novel, as well as a Destro 2-pack, which was the SDCC exclusive, I think, from like three years, four years ago. But he's really cool. He's actually a really decent figure. Great packaging. Justin Bell, also quite a fan of the packaging based on his review on it. It's cool. Uh, it's packaging's so good, you kind of don't want to ever open, open it. Mm. Yeah. That's so. And, and kind is, of, just for the listeners, I mean, this is where they package Destro as uh, his sort of ancestor and current, I don't know, whatever number he is, Destro, Destro 36, Lord 37, 36, 26, 27, 25, whatever. Numbers. Um, numbers. Yeah, we are not numbers people. <laughs> uh, yes, so it's predicated around having the two carded figures inside this old book, fold-out faux book. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it across. With, I mean, cool art on either side. Sort of, did you say, like, archaic military weapons preceding on one, side. one side, and then on the other side you flip over and you've got uh, up-to-date stuff, including the Rolling Operations Command Center. Yeah. Blueprint of that. It's like, is it possible that that vehicle was a Mars creation? That the Joe's yeah. stole. Appropriated. Wow, we could do a whole episode like that. Just talking yeah. about 
G.I. Joe toy troopers. Yeah. I didn't think it would be as cool as it was. You know, like, I just never looked at that box set and went, oh, wow, that's an amazing figure. In fact, it was originally bought because I saw it on an online store, and I was like, hey, that's pretty cheap, and I could really use that Destro body for a great, like, I don't know, Zaymot Tomax or Hostage or whatever, you know? And that's why I got it. And now I'm sitting with the problem of it's so cool, I don't want to open it. <laughs> okay, so a gem that uh, no one actually wants. Yeah. And see that. That is quite strange. Yeah, and, and it was on a Japanese toy site, uh, I've got to mention as well, on HLJ. So that's quite of an oddball place to find it because they never have G.I. Joe stuff mm. unless it's 1 to 6 scale. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're more likely to have Transformers stuff. Yeah, very likely. They, they definitely and Gundam. Gotham. And Gundam. Oh, wow. An abundance of it. I love it. Oh, lovely. I'm still waiting for my Night Viper to arrive from the States. It's actually been an, an unusually long wait. We are getting very close to 28 days now since mm-hmm. uh, it was last scanned. 28 at, days later. At Air Customs. So, yeah, I have sent BBTS a message about this. So, yeah, waiting to hear back from them, see if there's any feedback. Although... From other things that I've heard, it seems like there might be a, some kind of problem over there with um, international exports, so we'll see. Not with BBTS, but with America in general. Here's oh, hoping. America. Yeah, here's hoping my toys are okay. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, I've been burned relatively few times. Let's say yeah, on mean, average, every w- once every three years something goes awry. But it's never been a big box. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess, sadly, Night Viper, he would be a small box. Well, it's not just Night Viper. He'd be joined with Lady J, the Blind Master, and Yellow Jinx. Oh, you've been so, holding out on us, have you? Mm. You're getting all that goodness. All of that goodness. And I was really hoping that by this episode we could have some to review, and, uh, and also by extension have some to review for the video reviews. Which nice I segue, also... buddy. Woo. Yes. Our YouTube channel is now four episodes strong. We have done the Cobra Mamba, General Hawk, the Mean Dog, and most recently, the Phantom X-19. Just around the corner, we have The Bug, and a little new angle for our YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to be doing a comparative review between the 25th anniversary vamp and the 30th anniversary vamp. I'm looking forward to that a lot. I just saw the, uh, the 30th anniversary vamp today. In its pursuit cool, hey? of Cobra... It's gorgeous. Uh, Deco. It's, it's, it's initial Deco, but I think it's a far more catchy title for a YouTube video review to be 25th versus 30th than 25th versus POC. <laughs> yeah. Much agreed. Who would know what POC is? Most people wouldn't, but I suppose G.I. Joe fans would. Yeah. G.I. Joe people are not like most people. It'll also mark the first time uh, that one of the toys in the review is uh, somebody other than me. <laughs> that would be because Stephen was up here in Joburg for a good portion of those reviews, those initial reviews, and we used the vehicles, the easiest vehicles that we could get to. So, namely, uh, thank you, Paul, for volunteering your collection. Much appreciated. I, I hope do. they were returned in uh, uh, some semblance of the condition that uh, he gave them to me. Well, they did come back better. Um, although my mean dog has an obscene fear of fire. <laughs> well, at least they're clean. Or at least yes. they were clean. <laughs> yeah, everything I got from Paul needed a dunk in the bath 
with soap. Not everything. The Phantom did not need that. Yes, because they get dusty. Okay, it's dusty up here in Joburg, folks. Dusty. Yeah. Yeah, it's all those, something, the cyanide dust blowing off the mine dumps, getting into your lungs, your eyes, your nose. I'm so glad <laughs> I live in Cape Town. Wow. I just have to contend with the sea breeze. Oh, so, yes. Sometimes it smells like ass. I don't know. Sometimes with I catch, sea catch, breeze. catch a whiff of the ocean and I'm like, Ugh. Ass. The sewery. Ass ocean. Rob's right there. You know that, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just putting that out there. Shame. It's got feelings too. Rude about that. <laughs> so Steve, have you acquired anything new recently? Before me, I have assembled a small platoon of good guys, bad guys, and the likes. I mean, it, I, I've gotten back into the vintage love in a big way and filling holes, very necessary holes to fill. So forgive me, listeners, for coming clean about owning, for the first time, the vintage Slipstream, vintage Snow Serpent, the first release of Roadblock, the 1984 release, Buzzer, Airtight, Ripper, Alley Viper, Wild Weasel, and Captain Gridiron. Oh, he's a cool toy. Yeah, so many of my strange G.I. Joe tastes have been molded by that damn video game. I mean... I would have absolutely no rhyme or reason for owning a Captain Gridiron other than the Taxan G.I. Joe video game. Wow, this video game sounds amazing. Well, it I just, should definitely play it. It left a huge impression on me. I had this game while I was collecting G.I. Joe in those early years of my collection. I mean, we kind of caught on a little bit later than the diehards who were around in 82. Our era of Joes were the Ninja Force, were the 1990s slew of weirdos, including Captain Gridiron. Mm -hmm. And for all his failings and his laughable portrayal in the cartoon, I mean, speaking in football terms, definitely one-up Roadblock. Whereas Roadblock always managed to speak in a snappy rhyme, hearing someone in the middle of a battle saying... We gotta run the ball to the end zone and make a touchdown. <laughs> and there's no balls. It's just, it's laughable. <laughs> he, he, he consistently, in the Deke series, speaks in football terms. Like, even when he's saying something rather, you know, off the cuff or, or, or casual, it's football. He, it's like he can't drop it. It's like he's got some kind of uh, disorder. Yeah. It's like, I wanted to go pro. That didn't work out, so I joined the army. I'm going to plug these guys like going... a cheerleader. Uh, he didn't get picked up for the pros, so he kept going amateur. And luckily, uh, Coach Hawk picked him up. <laughs> Turns out he's a bit of a blowhard. I mean, I love the fact oh. that his, his, his bio card seems to make him out to be like, like no one really likes him much. <laughs> I can imagine. It's like the way he talks. He tries too hard. It's like he, he's 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 an officer. He's a West Point graduate. He he played on their football team, and no shit. <laughs> that's kind of his claim to fame. And they'd let him play if they could stand him. Like they'd let him play in like the GI Joe football. I don't know um, social football, but 
He's just, just such a dick. <laughs> I'm just so interested to like read a comic issue where they do play a football. You know, play football, the JoJo's. I mean, like, would you have like Shockwave doing like the music or something, <laughs> or being like a cheer cheerleader along with like CoverGirl and? Okay, is, is that a slight against choir boys everywhere, Robert? Yeah, I think it is. Okay, right. Choir boy. Shockwave sings in the choir, therefore he must be gay. Yes. Right. You sang in a choir, Rob. Briefly? <laughs> no, no, no. You sang in a choir in school, and then again in varsity. Yeah, but that's only like... No. Like ten eight. years? Eight, eight years, I wouldn't say ten. Eight years. Okay. It's not a long well, time. You know, um, what you, what you do in the privacy of your own home is, is, is up to you. One of the hard, most hardcore people I ever met in my life was a choir boy. Wow. Yeah. It says high praise. It's a NDF guy, yeah. He was in the Welsh Boys Choir. And he was also a teacher. Frightening man. Frightening. <laughs> also, really repressed. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking about Buzzer, you mentioned the 25th anniversary. I'm holding the vintage in my hands. Mm. And I can't help but notice that there's something very evocative of the original Duke figure. It's got to do with the tan shirt. Yes, I was going to say. Okay, he's clearly ripped his sleeves off. That much is clear. Yeah, and he doesn't have a tan, which is weird. What? Uh, you'd think a, he'd spend tons of time outside on a bike, but he's, like, pale. He's a Brit. They don't tan. They just go red. Ah, then he should be red. Okay, so his his tan shirt, which bears a strong resemblance to Duke's, except slightly better sculpted, because it is 1985 and not 1983, has got three dog tags hanging off the pocket, what looks to be, like, a U.S. Marshal's badge, mm. and then it's got... An airborne infantryman's jump wings Ooh. and ice cream. So Are it's, you saying? It's, it's Duke's shirt! Oh, I thought you, you're trying to say that, like, Duke goes crazy and joins a biker gang. Well, Buzzer has got blonde hair, a more pronounced receding hairline than, than Duke. So this is Duke later in his life. Yeah, he's like, fuck the Joes, I'm out of here. He's gone crazy, he thinks he's British. Or maybe he's infiltrating the Dreadnoughts. Ah. Hmm. Hence this bogus backstory of, like, dropping out of Varsity to join a biker gang. I mean, that sounds like a cover story if I ever heard one. That's an interesting line of thinking. That's well, very it cool. would explain his predilection towards, like, green bandolias. I mean, Buzz's got the same bandolia as, well, okay, be- once again, better sculpted. But he's also rocking hand grenades. Uh, I suppose this was something that was pretty standard on G.I. Joe's of that era. They all, like, had a, a hand grenade hanging off them somewhere. But uh, <laughs> quite a, a handful of shared design elements. Could it be a coincidence? I think he just took Duke's shirt. Yeah, he, and, they and probably stuff. beat him up and stole his shirt, and he was like, I like Part of an shit. initiation. It's so cool. I suppose Duke did get captured enough times. Yeah, and... He was in and out of Cobra prisons... Like all through the eighties, and also yeah. possibly the shirt that he's wearing is maybe a generic shirt that's worn by most of the airborne forces. So this could be any airborne officer that he stole the shirt off. Maybe it's a dreadnought initiation thing. Yes, you got to go back to base, steal a shirt. 
I like the fact that he's wearing the badges on the left side. It's quite an anti-establishment of Bazaar. But they are, in their own way, they're like anarchists, you know? Mm. Certainly. So it's like, well, not like, U.S. Airborne Infantryman wears his wings on the right side. Well, fuck that. Hey, hey. Boom. I'm going to be badass. No more cleaning my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Till it falls off. <laughs> oh, Have you guys seen that video with the New Zealand guy? No. He talks about his dick. <laughs> he's like, I like my dick. Everybody plays on my dick. I try and avoid <laughs> two things. New Zealanders and men obsessed with penises. Yeah, I know, but it's... Yeah, it's but it's like, funny because... It's... dick. You know, his dick, his wooden dick. dick. But because of his New Zealand accent, his dick sounds like he's talking about his dick. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably why there isn't a New Zealand dreadlock. Paul, I yeah. will never get those thirty seconds back. <laughs> <laughs> what is waiting till you watch the video? <laughs> Another minute and a half of your life you're gonna miss. <laughs> what can uh, I say about these assembled Joes before me? They're all individually very cool. Very cool. You do see. Uh, the extremes of the line. I mean, compare a figure like 1985 Airtight to 1986's Slipstream. The level of detail between these two figures couldn't be further. I mean, Airtight is an extremely simple, in fact, like, almost dumbed down G.I. Joe design. Whereas, just a year later, a similarly non-removable helmet character has got this incredible face sculpt, very characteristic. This is not some square-jawed Superman, you know, master race super soldier. This is a realistic-looking dude with a ginchy little moustache and an extremely detailed flight suit. Like, the wrinkles, every detail on it is just so balanced and superb. I can see why Slipstream is possibly the best sculpted G.I. Joe pilot. It's just, it's, it's a magnificent toy. Good old Captain Rugby, Captain Gridiron, or he was actually called Captain Rugby. European catalogs refer to him as Captain Rugby. Good lord. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, he's got a staggering amount of gear. And a rocket launcher that does not have a spring-firing feature. Oh. Thank god. Yeah. Instead, it's got four very dainty removable missiles. I guess all the small parts are what make Captain Gridiron that much more desirable. I mean, he's... Not the most amazing looking <laughs> figure, but like two knee pads, three grenades, a backpack, a helmet with a removable visor, a rocket launcher with four removable rockets, and what they describe as a shotgun, though it looks like a beefy pistol. Anyway, this guy's got a lot of gear, and it all kind of fits on him. Nice. Yeah, no, what a winner. What a great, fun figure. And the rest speak for themselves. Jeez. Snow serpents. Staggering. Beautiful. Amazing. The only reason I got him is because I seem to have acquired all his gear separately. I found it in a box of old Joe <laughs> stuff that I bought. So I got the figure loose uh, at a, sort of a discount price without his gear so that I could marry the gear that I already had to the figure. That's incredible. Oh, man. It's a beautiful symphony of tooling, of accessories that work well together. Yeah, man. He's all kinds of cool. It's like G.I. Joe's answer to Snow Serpent only came in 1990 with Sub-Zero. It's like Snowjob was... He, he was a very basic snowtrooper. Snow Serpent represents a escalation. 
you know, you've got a guy with a parachute pack, survival gear, a anti-tank rocket launcher, an assault rifle, snowshoes. Compared to Snowjob, who looked like he was out to go alpine skiing and maybe, you know, shoot some some game for his dinner. Yeah, I mean, he basically just got the Snowjob done, and he wasn't able to do much more than that. Whereas Sub-Zero, you've got a guy with snowshoes, mortar launcher, beefy machine gun. Yeah, he looks like he can last a backpack. really long time out there. He's like the snow equivalent of the Range Viper. It occurs to me that, like, you can only do Arctic combat to a point on skis. Ultimately... In order to move and fight like an infantryman, you need snowshoes. Skis are cumbersome. I mean, you can ski, fine, but when you need to maneuver as a soldier, Mm. you need something like snowshoes. Yeah, it doesn't mean that Snowdrop can't use all that stuff. It just means that the toy didn't come with all of it. Anyways, guys, we've prattled on for a good long while now. I think it's time to have the onslaught of the Dalai Lama and Sideshow Bob. Gentlemen? Yes, as proposal of this motion, I believe first blood is yours. So, why should I buy a 12-inch Sideshow G.I. Joe doll? Because you are a G.I. Joe fan. Okay, and you love G.I. Joe shit, and these guys are amazing. Okay, for the same reasons that you love your vintage stuff, for starters. Sideshow figures... Despite their scale, which is the only downside for you, despite their scale or their size, have all the qualities that you like in your G.I. Joes. They have great uniforms and, and designs. They got great, you know, expressions and face molds, which you quite like in your figures. They got amazing weapons with fantastic attention to detail, which is what you're going to find with the whole line, pretty much. They are realistic representations of something that we love and that we grew up with as a toy. That's where my argument starts. The aesthetics of the Sideshow stuff are undeniably cool. They're just beautiful toys to have. If you ever buy one, you can always just buy the guy that or the character that is your favorite. It's difficult for me to say because I have a few, but originally the thing that got me into this line was seeing Snake Eyes, and it completely changed my perspective on what G.I. Joe could look like. I, for the first time, could see what I thought Snake Eyes should look like in a real-world setting. And this was... I can't even remember if the movie had come out or the movie was still coming out, but I remember being very disappointed when I saw the movie's costume because I was like, why didn't they just copy what Sideshow had done? Which was just very realistic and very practical, or very pragmatic, rather. So, that's... Because then he wouldn't have rubber lips. (laughs) (laughs) So we all know how important it is to have rubber lips. For a guy who can't talk... Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, Jaws with a machine gun. But um, that would be the first thing. The aesthetics of owning one of your favorite characters realized more realistically with detail that you won't find on a smaller figure. So that's where I'd start. Rob? Yeah, it's a very realistic representation of Joes. I mean, it takes what you see in the original toys and kind of makes it even more real. And the cool thing is that they're not just making it more real for the sake of that. They're also being very faithful to the source material as well. Like they'll take the most iconic representations or they'll take all the elements that makes that character cool and what makes you recognize that character. And they'll make it even more cool. You know, it's faithful to the source material and then they give them interesting accessories that kind of are very appropriate to the characters. 
which is quite cool. So if they were to make like the Dreadnoughts, they would have their their iconic weapons. Also like with Sartan, okay, he comes with he comes with his backpack with the mask, which you recognize. But then they embellish that a little bit. They give him a bow. I mean, you know, the original toy didn't come with a bow, but you'd seen him in the comics using a bow. And it's just nice that they are able to make them. It's it's a version of the character that you never thought that you needed or that you thought existed. But when you look at it, you're like, yes, that is that character, which, which sure. I quite like. You know, one of the the biggest appeals to seeing or one of the biggest pulls to saying uh, to watching, say, a GI Joe movie, aside from having G.I. Joe realized on the big screen in terms of the story, but it's seeing uh, a realistic representation of a G.I. Joe on the big screen, which we can all agree hasn't really been done superbly well. Like, it hasn't come across in a fashion that we think is completely believable when we compare it to the comic books. Mm-hmm. Sideshow has provided me with that. Uh, I've been able to get my Joes, and I can look at Stalker or Rock and Roll or a Crimson Guard or Zartan, as Rob's mentioned, and I can actually see like a realistic interpretation of that character. I can get a real sense of what he would really be like. You know, not lugging around super massive weapons or anything crazy, just uh, like a personality-filled, realistic interpretation of a soldier who, incidentally, in terms of the sideshow Joes, they all actually share uniform. For example, though they don't have different color BDUs and things like that, they all tend to share, they have similar BDU pants, and they have similar um, shirts, they all carry the same sidearm, so a lot of the sort of military aesthetic, the true military aesthetic is picked into the GI Joes, which is pretty awesome for the sideshow line. They're the same, but also different and unique to themselves, so there's a uniformity amongst them, but each of them still has a unique personality, which comes out as, the, as who they are. You've raised some good points, gentlemen, but of course they're all rather trite, I mean... Yes, it's a hyper-realistic representation of a three-and-three-quarter-inch action figure. These two things are in contradiction, because you're kind of divorcing yourself from the subject matter in a big way by scaling them up to sort of, you know, maxi-plus-sized Joes. G.I. Joe, for me, has always been about a certain scaling, and that scaling's ability to interact with other equipment vehicles, bases. It's a play system centered around a certain size. The further you move move away from that and you move into realistic settings, the more G.I. Joe becomes like any other one to six scale soldier toy, of which there is an abundance to fit every price range. When I look at someone like Falcon or Dusty, even Stalker, I'm seeing a very real-world, real soldier, but it doesn't scream that G.I. Joe to me. It's very cool to see what that Joe would look like had he been flesh and bone. You know, rock and roll is a perfect example of that. You don't have a guy with sort of like khaki pants and green BDUs and bullets you know, wrapped around his, his torso and like a big... Well, I suppose he is bearded, isn't he? Yeah, he's big but and bearded and badass. They've turned down the volume on a lot of the kind of perhaps 1980s excesses that the G.I. Joe toy line had and turned up the volume on intermeshing with realistic modern military special forces. But to my mind, that takes the fun out of G.I. Joe. That's the thing. Like, Even though 
the, you know, the realism and all that is stressed quite a bit throughout the line, there is something about them that is still very distinctly G.I. Joe. That is something a lot of the other military lines and other one to six military scale figures don't have. And I'm going to use rock and roll as a prime example for starters. Rock and roll has a lot of nods to pop culture all over him and to G.I. Joe. And it starts with his machine gun. His machine gun's got Snake Charmer written around it, which is pretty cool. He's got a Cobra Don Surf t-shirt. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, a locals-only t-shirt, and he's got Cobra Don Surf written on his helmet, which is pretty cool. It's actually pretty badass, and it's, and it's a good, like, you know, reference to... The fact know, that he's a surfer, something that you don't get from the, from the three, toy. three-quarter-inch toys. Yeah, sure. In fact, I can go as far as to say that a rock and roll as a sideshow toy is probably one of the best sideshow figures purely because he is the best rock and roll figure that they've ever made because he tops all of the rock and rolls that have been released in the three three quarter inch line because the surfer motif is pulled through in quite a strong manner he is a machine gunner his gun is yes okay he doesn't have the super sized fantasy machine gun cannon which <laughs> is kind of sad in a way because i'd love to see sideshow do a realistic representation of that as far as they could have but he does have you know he's like support gunner machine gun i think it's the m60 if i'm not mistaken and he just pig. looks, yeah, it's a pig, there we go, and he's just so cool, and another like dimension that Sideshow gives you that only modern Joes have really given us is that you can start, for example, mixing and matching stuff. I mean, you don't have to put grenades in the same place that they are in the original card art, for example. You can decide to put grenades in different places or opt to not have them carrying grenades at all. Things like ammo belts and stuff like that, you know, some people might think that they're pretty superfluous, so they can opt for a different solution to that. A lot of the guns have uh, removable suppression, removable scopes, that kind of stuff, which you can move around and customize as you see fit. And it becomes very much not just something that's, you know, unique to, like, your G.I. Joe. It's unique to you. It's your decision. It's You, you know, you kind of put these toys together wondering... If I was this guy, where would I put my gear? Or how would I assemble my gear? Or you start thinking of the character in a way of, hey, Beachhead might not appreciate having flashbangs there. He might appreciate having his flashbangs maybe strapped to his backpack. Which is all very fine and well if the most thrilling thing about toy owning for us is how to dress and equip our action figures. But that is one of the things with Sideshow Toys. That is the, the great appeal. It is actually about... It's the case of the person who enjoys their DVD collection more from the standpoint of cataloging them <laughs> than actually watching them. Well, no, I mean, I think often when we play with the three inch recorders, toys, it's nice to equip them with a bunch of different weapons and go, oh, they need these guns for this mission. It's a silent mission, so let's choose something different for them to use yeah, exactly. in that situation. So they carry across that part of playing with the smaller toys you are able to customize and bring that across the entire line. You can swap things yeah. out. You can decide that they, this guy can use that. And even, like, introduce guns and stuff that when even originally G.I. Joe, you know, like with that company where you buy the toys from. Well, assuming you'd from. even get that far, I put it to you, gentlemen, that's, like, in spite of both owning sideshow figures or dolls or, uh, you know, Whatever. monstrosities, uh, <laughs> I've never really played with them. Okay, that's where I'm going to step in. I'm not sure about Rob in this regard. I don't exactly run around with my sideshow toys going pew, pew, pew at each other. They are awkward and large and cumbersome and finickety and fragile. I mean, 
these are not built to be played with. And that is at the heart of any G.I. Joe toy for me. I'm like, how much excitement and joy and, and how much of my childhood can I relive through messing around with this thing? Mm. And the fact is, with a sideshow figure, not much. Looks good on my mantelpiece, I guess. But you see, to turn that around then, for example, there's a lot of fun to be had with, okay, and I, I know that you might feel that this is weak, but one of the coolest things to do with Joe's at the moment is, for example, the photo shoot you did with the Taxan video game team, where you put them in real-world location and you took quite close-up scaled shots of Duke and company going through the jungle and snake eyes in a stalking kind of position, you know, for the third level. And Sideshow gives you quite a cool dimension as far as that goes, you know, in terms of you can take some really amazing dio shots. You can really have a lot of fun by moving these figures around and setting up cool diorama-style action scenes and shots like that. And Sideshow tends to punt that quite a bit as well by having really fantastic photography for the figures on their website. I had Tiger Force Duke and Captain Gridiron like semi-submerged in a stream. You would not dare do that with your $180 sideshow figure. See, I won't, but you know what the thing is? I've seen people who have done that. I've seen guys who have put Falcon waist-high in like really green, like mossy water with him carrying his uh, gun above his head through it. And um, Beautiful. And it's stunning. It's really cool to see that. And like, you know what? For us, $180 is... It's pretty. It's it's quite a an investment, you know. Uh, it's it's difficult for you know any of us to like go, hey, a hundred and eighty dollar toy. Let's go and like push it through the mud. But for an American, a hundred eighty dollars. Okay, I'm exaggerating here, but it's the kind of money you could find if you look through enough couches. You know what I mean? It's the same way that we can make a hundred and eighty rand by looking in nooks and crannies and checking out old jacket pockets and stuff like that. So for them, it's not quite the but it's like so, a week's work minimum wage mm, exactly so in that regard that point in the argument is kind of moot because in its actual retail environment those figures aren't super expensive you know even though guys complain about the price all the time wait until they live in south africa but anyway well, friend the price is something that needs to be addressed i don't know if now is the time rob do you have something to add yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm liking what Paul's suggesting so far. I mean, the cool thing about the toy is the size does allow for more play options. And not just play options, but multimedia applications and uses. More so than with the smaller Joes. You, you can use them in a, in a much wider way. You could use them for films, yeah, for dios if you want. Because, yeah, the small toys look good, but the larger toys photograph a lot better. And yes, their scale is prohibitive of traditional play, but you can find new ways of playing with them, and also it creates different ways yeah, of interacting with them. I think you have to be a lot more creative in how you play with them and, and, and maybe perhaps the creation of environments. So it gives you a lot more creative outlets and like, okay, I want to play with them in a certain environment. I need to build this environment myself. And it gives you a lot more fun and you learn new skills in playing with these toys. But nothing you've just said is limited <laughs> only to the 1 to 6 scale. You can create environments of a far vaster scale and size to explore with a 1 to 18 scale figure than you can with a 1 to 6 scale figure. And that's That's not even beginning to mention how the play pattern is multiplied by the interaction of vehicles and playsets. With 1 to 6 scale, you're limited to a sort of lowest common denominator being your only common denominator. You can only ever be 
the Joe. <laughs> you can't be the pilot of the vehicle. No, I get that. Or the captain of the ship. Yeah, definitely, I think. But that's why I'm saying it encourages different ways of playing. And you shouldn't stick yourself in, in, in the way that you've always played with things. You should, you should grow and encourage yourself to play with toys in a different way. And yes, they are expensive, but I mean, they're high quality toys. And I think they're such high quality that you can actually, I mean, I would consider going a bit crazy with them and putting them in the dirt and doing stuff like that. Because. The thing is, you can wash the clothing. Exactly. That's, the whole thing, the thing, it's, it's made to last. Part. Yeah, it has small parts. Joe's have small parts. They have lots of little things that can easily get lost. Gridiron's got small parts. It's got very, he's got a small part. Um, and the also other cool thing is that the one to six scale figures, they're very highly articulated. Which means you can play with them a lot. You can do a lot more with them than you can with the older Joes, I think. I mean, well, you, with, the, with, the, you with the smaller pose, Joes. You can pose them really. Yeah, no, not just, po- not just posing, but I mean, yeah, in playing with them, you can have them in very cool poses when you sort of, Positioning them to sort of, you know, do stuff. I think with the smaller with the, Joes, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. I find you didn't need to. Well, pay, but we're not talking about that in pose. back in the day, though. We're talking about now, play, you know, playing with them. Like there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. Like, okay, he's not actually pointing his gun where I want it to be. So, oh, well, don't don't worry about that. I'll just I'll ignore that because I, I know there's limits to these little guys. Well, I mean, with a larger scale figure, you're going to spend five minutes getting the exact pose you want out of your figure. I don't think so. Once you get them loosened and, you know, once you get used to playing with them, playing with them will be as quick as playing with the smaller ones. Yeah, you do tend to get a bit more reckless as you deal with them more. You know, you tend to not be as worried about things because you know where all the joints are, you know how it's going to work out, you know how the weapons work. You get a feel for the toy itself, for, for what the figure is capable of and yeah, how far and you can one push thing that it to. The, the size of figure is not very comfortably capable of is standing. Actually, I <laughs> you say that, but you know what? A lot of collectors in the States, and I mean a lot, a lot of them don't display them with their display stands. They actually display them standing. Thank goodness for that. I can't think of anything more unsightly than having a badass wielding a gun, but with this kind of like stirrup. <laughs> <laughs> these prongs poking out from between his legs. I mean, how undignified is that? He's no, got balls in a vice. Well, I mean, I agree with what you're saying in that regard, which is why, like, in my display shelf, I mean, I've got the one diorama, which is the recon diorama. It's the jungle one, kiddies, if you guys are paying attention. And on that, I've actually got beachhead, I've got hawk, and I've got rock and roll perched on it, and they don't have to have their stands because... You can get away with little things like using Beachhead's backpack to give him a bit of a leaning support. And Hawk has been... You cheat. Yeah, you do cheat, but I mean... That's equivalent to setting up your Joes with them leaning back against a vehicle. Yeah, totally. I see what you did there. Um, But it doesn't... The tripod balance. I hope you got that fucking set at a discount, because that is the lamest toy ever. It's a, it's a diorama, and it's like... It's not, but it's uh, a beautiful diorama, and it's it's like it's probably aside from the Roshikage Temple, it's probably the best diorama that they've done because it's got two sides to it. It's got the side that you've seen a lot of, which is the jungly, overgrown Angkor Wat-looking sort of section, which has got the step and everything, and then it's got the back. The back side has got all of these cool Mayan um, hieroglyphics, uh, for lack of better words, 
indented in the back and I've used that for example for our one shot of the Cobra Viper on the website on Facebook it's a 1 to 18 scale figure no 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 not not the current one the Viper the 1 to 6 scale Viper that we had for a long time that's a sideshow toy with that Mayan background with a bit of a Mayan background and a lot of white because the background I mean as an environment it, it fails to do that it fails to be an environment it's like yeah. an element of an environment. It's not something yes. that will make for an all-encompassing dio shot. You can never fill the frame with that thing. Even in the packaging, they've got a blacked-out backdrop behind the item. Yeah, because but... it's it's just a, a little thing. Like, if you were making that for a 1 to 18 scale figure, you could actually make a playset. At this scale, <laughs> it's just an element of a playset. It's like a corner of a building. But I did get it at a good price. I so. should certainly hope so. <laughs> that aside, I mean, that's a different part of this ball game completely. But for me, it's just so cool to have a well-realized version of a G.I. Joe. I mean, I love the 1 to 18 scale figures. Don't get me wrong. I'm not... This oh, is yes. not a, a de- Definitely. This, We're not saying... This is not a debate about 1 to 18 being crap or anything. Oh, fact, you love everything in abundance. I mean, you've got a massive 1 to 18 scale figure collection... And you have quite a staggering amount of sideshow figures. Yeah. And like, I just want to put that in perspective for you, man. <laughs> Do you know that with your sideshow collection, had you not bought sideshow figures, I mean, you could have very easily bought a flag and a pterodrome, shipping included. Wow. No, I, like, I know that. That's time, true. Time will tell which the more culturally important toys actually are. I mean, the sideshow figures, they're pretty, but they're just... Extremely well detailed military figures in a one to six inch scale, or one to six scale. Whereas, you know, a flag and a pterodrome, these are cultural icons, and icons of our hobby. Oh, I agree. What what would your money be better spent on? Just get both. This is exactly this is this is the kind of a a bullshit argument to make, unfortunately, Rob, because we are all bound by limited financial means, and our entire collections are predicated on compromise. Of course, we'd love to have everything. I'd love to have every Joe, even the crap ones, just to say that I have them. So I have the entire team, and I have every vehicle, so they can populate them. I'll have my cool guys riding the good vehicles, my crap guys riding the stinky vehicles in the back somewhere, but just have everything. I want two flags, so I can have all the jets on display. Uh, I want about four pterodromes to kind of posit on all four corners of, like, the Cobra... Airbase. Fair enough. If we could have it all, we'd have it all. But you have prioritized these pretty display pieces over, like, probably the most important toys of G.I. Joe collecting. Yeah, but well, I mean, at the same time, you could say you prioritized trying to become a pilot over buying more Joes. Well, I quickly saw the light. (laughs) (laughs) I am no longer completing my pilot training. But okay, but like, aside from you know. Career ruining decisions regarding toys. <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm not saying that not doing your pilot's license is career ruining. I'm just saying, like, the point that you're making is the amount of money that is spent on our hobby. One thing that is kind of cool about the sideshow stuff is that it does seem to have a lifespan. I am pretty sure that in the next two years, we most likely won't have them anymore. I suspect for reasons either being um, they're going to either become too expensive to make. They may not sell as well in the next two years. I mean, for example, 
some really beautiful figures that are coming out in the future, like Storm Shadow, the new Baroness figure, and the new Cobra Commander, aren't exactly selling out of pre-orders at the moment. And I'm talking about the exclusives when they have extra heads or guns or arms or whatever. They're not selling out. and that's Money not grab. A, yeah. Put the word but, exclusive on something and the price just shoots through the roof. But that's the whole thing. Sideshow doesn't sell the exclusives for more than the normal figure. The exclusives, just a matter of you get there first, you get them. Which is great for you because, if, for example, with Beachhead, if I had the exclusive Beachhead, I would have his unmasked head uh, with that figure. And the same with Hawk. If I had the exclusive, I would have his sort of beret. I don't know what the actual name of that cap is, but he would look a lot more like Unattack Hawk, which, and I love that, but I missed out on getting that exclusive. Firefly would have a different head, and he'd also have the exclusive ICBM or whatever that he comes with. Uh, and I mean, these are just small examples of what the exclusives offer, but they normally get intercontinental pitched. ballistic missile. I think yeah, you well, mean IED. IED, <laughs> sorry, not ICBM. I had ICBM in my An mind. ICBM at one to six scale is be as long as my car. <laughs> hey, it's worth it. Then eighty dollars, I'll buy one of those. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. But <laughs> good luck getting it out of customs. Yeah. So you seem to have a sidewinder <laughs> missile in this uh, in this box. Yeah. No, no. Uh, no, no, it's, it's African curios. <laughs> it's, a giant, it's like a giant spear. It's uh, a fertility um, statue. It just looks <laughs> like a missile. It's actually but, an ISBN. ICBN, but, whatever. But the thing is, I, I do feel... ISBN? I do feel that the sideshow line... There is a decline, um, and they are starting to slowly fade out. And it's a bad I'm very glad... more people are being won over to my side. Maybe, or maybe you know what? Maybe people are done like the designs that Sideshow are coming up with, or whatever. You know, everybody complains about something, but it's a line that's going to eventually end, and it's a line I think is really, really worth owning, or at least owning a part of. I don't know. I just I look at my Sideshow GI Joe Cobra Viper. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I'm happy I got this, because he's just so cool. He's just such a cool uh, figure, and I, I often take them out and pose them in cool poses and, like, change the tabs on their, on their shoulders, you know, the different regiment labels and things like that. And I've seen that that has kind of been a small inspiration on the 1 to 18 line, because the 1 to 18 beachhead is very similar to the sideshow beachhead, and the 1 to 18 Crimson Guard that's just recently come out Although not 100% similar, he is also he's coming with patches and whatever to designate himself. He's got more modern weaponry, and I just think Sideshow is doing a lot for the line. I'm glad that I get to support them. Plus, they are artworks. That's another big point about them that I think is worth owning at least one of them for. They are a work of art. So um, they're, they're showroom centerpieces instead of practical playthings. Well, I think we can all agree on that. But, you know, today I put a squad of Joes into a tomahawk, inserted them into hostile territory, had the tomahawk bomb out a roadway in order to waylay attacking forces, had the tomahawk pick those said Joes up again, and proceed to have a dogfight with an enemy attack helicopter. You swapped out the patches on your Viper. I did. And I reposed Major Blood. I I don't know. I'll leave it up to the listeners to decide who had more fun. Uh, But, you know, whatever floats your boat and rocks your chair, buddy. But 
Also, the, another thing about Sideshow I like is that there's also, I mean, yeah, at 1 is to 18 scale, there's a lot of sort of intergenre or uh, crossover play. But I think at 1 to 18 scale, there's a nice continuity and a nice, like, gelling of all those genres. Because you mean 1 to 6 scale? Whatever, 1 is to 6 scale. Sideshow toys. Fair enough, but in um, order to have G.I. Joe team up with Captain America, <laughs> you have to, at Great Outlay, buy, you know, $180 worth in single shots. You can't assemble a whole team for under a hundred dollars. Yeah, you, you're not gonna. This 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 will take a while to get together. Definitely. It costs you an arm and a leg. I I don't know. It just it always comes down to a prioritization thing. If ever I've been beguiled by the design of a sideshow figure, and thought, oh, that's that's really cool. But for the same amount of money, look what else I can get. No contest. No, I agree. I mean, I've thought about it recently now because I'm looking at. Oh, I would really like to get a pterodrome and an MCC. And I know for the price that I paid for Major Blood, I could at least afford the MCC. In fact, I probably would have been able to get the MCC and pay for its shipping to get here, because I'm sure it wouldn't have shipped for more than $60. So I'm pretty sure you know, I could get one. But that's the thing. I know if I go into eBay, it's going to be very easy for me to still get an MCC at around the same price. Whereas Firefly, and listeners, please don't do this, okay? I found a Sideshow Firefly, a character that I love, and a Sideshow figure that I think is really fantastic, for about $260, which is quite a bit more than its original asking price, which was, I think it was $160 when it came out. And that was cheap. A lot of guys were plugging them off for $400 and $500. Yeah, nice to know that it's appreciating quickly, because, you know, if you want to sell off your Sideshow collection, you can still make a decent buck out Buck. Of that. Yeah, that, that's the one thing that is really cool about them. Yeah, but so you it can does sell them off and get back to getting real Joes. It's a it's a good investment to oh, get these toys because yes, you may be shelling out time and money getting them you, in the first place. You may be shelling out one hundred and eighty dollars initially for them, but then later on, if you just do decide to get rid of them, you're going to be able to afford a lot more real Joes, at least <laughs> what Steve yeah. considers well, real Joes. Well, I'm so glad you guys will eventually claw your way back to the light, but you're not doing a great job of convincing me that I need a sideshow figure in my life now. Yeah, I think it's true. I think we've, we've kind of struggled to find something to sway you away from the 1 to 18 scales. The one thing I will say about 1 to 6 scale, and this is not directed at Steve uh, in particular because Steve doesn't have this issue, Rob doesn't have this issue, and I surely don't have this issue. But with a lot of collectors, there are a lot of guys out there who love G.I. Joe, but I'm pretty sure that the women they're married to don't, or at least don't love 1 to 18 scale toys that in their minds are the kind of things that kids would be playing with or should be playing with. And yes, she's right, kids should be playing with them, but not exclusively. I've seen it working in the comic and anime store. I've seen a lot of guys come in and, you know, their wives have sort of strong-armed them into buying specific types of toys or figurines because they feel that they would look much better and it would be less embarrassing for them. And I find that Sideshow uh, gives collectors a good outlet, at least in terms of G.I. Joe, to maybe get one or two of these guys because the casual observer wouldn't think of these characters as G.I. Joe. They'd think of them as wow, that's a really freaking cool soldier statue or doll or whatever you've got. And that kind of thing, I think, gives Sideshow a good presence in terms of collectors. And I know, like I said, Steve, you don't have this issue because it's not like you know your girlfriend's going to turn around and say, get rid of all of your toys, because I know that she'll go first. 
And, you know, it's not like your parents have turned around or your family has turned around and go, well, you know, this toy habit is like really shit and whatever. Because yeah, you're embarrassing us now. Yeah, we're lucky in that we have a family that – or families and friends and significant others that are into this kind of shit or at least a little bit into this kind of shit and they understand our obsession with it. But the thing is, yeah, Sideshow does have that and it, it does make it a good outlet. It is something that is at least relatable because you can still today – in South Africa, and I've seen them, it's actually what turned me on to the one to six scale uh, military figure in the first place, was I went on holiday with my folks the one time, and we stopped at a curio area, and part of that was an antique shop. And in that antique shop were three walls lined, okay, and they must have been about two meters, and they were glass cabinets, and they were lined up with World War II figures at one to six scale, which I can only imagine some of which were G.I. Joe's. And I really, 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 really wanted one. And my mom, you know, wasn't going to get me one. But, I mean, she did ask the lady how much they go for. And back then, they were like a thousand rand. They were very collectible. But she said they were very popular. They were very, very popular amongst military collectors and World War II collectors. And that is something that these one to six figures definitely seem to have going for them is that they have a bit more of a mature appeal in that I think the outside eye, the non-toy collecting eye, the non-geek eye can appreciate them. If you were somebody that had that issue, this would be a point of argument that I'd make, that you could own these figures without the embarrassment of you know, maybe being called a complete dork or child or whatever, if you find those things offensive. But, right on, you know. folks. So if you're embarrassed about your hobby, you should buy dolls. I'm, I am more expensive hobby. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm actually very happy that my family and my right hand are very supportive of my collecting of toys. <laughs> <laughs> my significant other is is always there for me when I'm collecting toys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, closing remarks, gentlemen. Let's hear it from you, Rob. I think you should get Sasha toys. They're very cool. Which one should I get? Which, Which uh, yeah, let, from the two sideshow enthusiasts in the group, what are the kind of non-negotiables? What do you recommend most highly? I want to hear one, maybe a runner-up from both of you. Oh wow! I think the new, <laughs> one that I I'm considering getting is the is the sort of the more GI Joe themed Storm Shadow. This sort of that cool mottled outfit. Totally, he photographs so well. He photographs amazingly well, and he looks really cool. I think his look is very, very good, very real world. What is it with you and collecting guys with bows and arrows? I just like bows and arrows. I think they definitely go a long way towards making the figure feel real, and it feels like something you can't get at a smaller scale. It, it's like it's like a weapon that takes a lot of intricacy. You need to put a lot of effort into making that, and it's just, it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. I must say that the guns, while detailed, aren't going to impress me. Yeah. At that scale. Exactly. What will the impress bow, you is a bow. Yeah. The engineering. It's incredible. You look at that thing. In a one to six, six scale bow is quite beautiful. Yeah, I would recommend that one, definitely. And as a runner up. If you could get it, maybe get the rock and roll. I think I've seen enough of it. Paul raves about it enough to uh-huh. say that that's a figure that's that's a good one to get. Or even Dusty, yeah. they did a Dusty, didn't they? I was a soft spot quite... for Dusty, and, and incidentally, that was the figure that uh, that I located for Paul while I was in Singapore. Incredible. Yeah. 
See, you uh, know how, how, how beautiful these things but are. But I tell you why Dusty had a light shone on him particularly. Yeah, shine on Steven. <laughs> there was a customizer showcased on yojo.com who was doing 1 to 18 scale representations of the sideshow yeah. representations. I mean, he, he kind of did up his uh, modern era style three and three quarter inch Joes yeah. to evoke their sideshow appearances. Mm. And that was the ultimate for me. I was like, yeah, sideshow are cool. They look amazing. But, but you want them I in want that tiny scale. With, you know, a, your vehicles. Yeah. I think that's probably it. the biggest letdown for you for the scale is that there are no equivalent sized vehicles. I don't know. I think that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> oh, that they aren't that size vehicles. I just think when you start taking vehicles over one to six scale, they start getting ridiculous. Actually, you mean size wise or price wise? Size wise. Size wise, um, price wise, and proportion wise. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw the 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 Batmobile for the uh, Adam West Batman, and that doesn't look that bad. In the flesh, though. Did really? You see it in real life, like in front. No, of I haven't you. seen it in real life. I saw see, pictures. my pop. My issue has been, and this is why I mentioned this, because I have seen uh, Hot Toys display their vehicles, and I have been blown away by the photos, and then I have seen, and uh, yes, a friend of mine actually has got that Tim Burton Batmobile. Oh. I think he got it. I think it came out recently now, That's as of this podcast. He was just showing me photos of it, like, you know, like how parts of how it looks, and I'm I'm sorry, but when they start going to that size, yes, the price is big, but I don't think the finish on the toy is actually that great. I'm like, I'd actually feel pretty bummed if I paid five grand for that or five hundred dollars for that. I'd be like, wow. wow, I just bought myself a really big hollow plastic thing. Okay, so they're good at doing figures. They just, as yet, they haven't been able to put the same kind of love and craftsmanship into the vehicles. Well, yeah, you're not gonna have a realistic weight to a vehicle at that scale. Yeah. Not to make it economically possible, mm. you know, given today's economics. Yeah, economically It's got to basically look like a very polished veneer. Yeah, it's going to look, it's going to photograph well, but it's going to feel hollow. You know, yeah. in, imagine trying to give a one to six scale car a realistic car weight at that scale. Ridiculous. Yeah. And you want to put that in, in, a, in a boat or in a plane and ship it around the world? Forget yeah. about it. Forget exactly. about it. That is a big failing of one to six scale figures. I mean, I can list them here without, and I, I'm sure Steve wouldn't contest this either. A big problem with one to six stuff is space. They take a lot more space than they want to 18 counterparts. Easy. They don't fit in vehicles. Easy. I agree. That's totally cool. They don't fit in vehicles. But then again, in their own right, they give a lot of the same satisfaction that having a cool vehicle does give you because they've got a lot of play features and a lot of uh, intricate details like one to 18 scale vehicles do have. Paul's uh, final remarks seem to be exposed to flaws in his own. In his own. No, 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 no. I mean, like, I mean, these are obvious things. These yeah, are things he's that, like, concessions. That's fine. Yeah, they go without saying. I mean, and yes, they are expensive. But then again, at the end of the day, everything's really expensive anyway. I mean, if you're the kind of guy who just buys one of every figure, which is pretty much myself, GI Joes end up being $120 once every maybe seven months. Okay. But if you're the kind of guy who likes to troop build, well, then you're the kind of guy who spends about three, four hundred dollars just on getting hundreds of vipers and steel brigade and green shirt soldiers and that kind of stuff. Or you're the that guy who likes to go and get the convention exclusives, which I feel are personally quite untouchable. 
at four hundred dollars for the October God set. I think it's preposterous, but anyway, whatever. You can be that guy, but then you end up spending the same amount of money you would have spent on a one to six scale. So the price point thing, although it was something I was worried about in this argument, I feel it's pretty moot because of the amount of exclusives that are available one to eight in scale and how expensive and overpriced they are. Which you um, avoid like the plague. I mean, come on. I it's agree. Not, and I do. It is a moot point because no, actually, it is a resolved point. I am sitting with as many characters before me on this table as you own in your sideshow collection. But their cost cumulatively was less than the cost of one sideshow figure. That's true. But I mean, I'm just talking about like sort of the outlay of the average G.I. Joe fan, you know, who will go and buy waves of figures that come out every year. He is pretty much buying two waves of G.I. Joe figures would be a sideshow and a, a figure and a half. You know, in the States and here. A you case know, of figures and a half versus one. I don't know. I, I'll never understand the economics of it, but at the same time, I've never pursued a G.I. Joe toy for its aesthetics first and foremost. It's always been yeah. a case of how this toy will interact with the toys that I have and how much fun I'm going to get out of it. And Which I, this yeah. is going to bring me to my closing remarks because I think we're dangerously running out of time. First point is that I find Sideshow figures, and this is the most succinct way of wording it, I find they miss the point that G.I. Joe, a real American hero, in my opinion, a a superior uh, kind of advancement on G.I. Joe's initial roots as a 12-inch figure, were essentially centered around the vehicles. Like, they were designed as pilots to the vehicles and equipment, which explains why the 1982 figures were so basic and yet the vehicles were nice and varied. In so saying, play pattern was always the primary focus of the toys. With Sideshow, they are exactly that. They are showroom pieces. Play is removed from the equation. I mean, you tried valiantly to kind of talk about how you can create environments and and play with your action figures and, and re-equip them, move the gear around. But like, I put it to you, sir, that you never really actually played with your Sideshow figures. And there's no shame in admitting to that. Yeah. But I do not want to ever buy a toy that I'm not going to play with. If it's going to live in its box, it's dead to me. I, I'm trying to actually pluck up the courage to sell off things that I just keep in the boxes. Something that you and I can both agree on, and my current Destro situation aside, I generally don't buy anything I'm going to keep in a box uh, as a rule of thumb. I believe toys are meant to be liberated from their packaging, displayed or played with, but never kept in their box, and you know your collection shouldn't well, look like an anime store. Yeah, look, I mean, in your case, you you take them out of their cardboard box, but then you move them into a glass box. So yeah, essentially, but... you are keeping your collection in the box. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I am, My but... second closing point <laughs> is one that we've we've hashed quite nicely, and that's uh, cost. Nothing else needs to be said about this point, other than the fact that uh, instead of those guys that are in the box. Uh, you could have had a flag in the Terradrome, shipping included, to Africa. Yes. Shame on us. My third point is something I haven't actually gotten into too much. Uh, It's very subjective to me, but I think a lot of toy collectors feel the same way. Hence, we applauded loudly when we started getting superhero toys and other toys all fitting into the 4-inch or 3-and-3-quarter-inch scale. And that's because it's true to say some collectors embrace a brand, but I always 
like to think of embracing a universe, a universe where you can have Captain America step in and help Joes, or yeah. Snake Eyes and Batman team up to rid Gotham of a terrorist threat, mm. or Destro and Victor Von Doom are vying for the arms trade of the world. Like, that limitlessness of your play pattern is so exciting to me. You can achieve a small semblance of that with all the dollies available to you now. I mean, you can have a 1-6 to scale Iron Man alongside a 1-6 to scale Cobra Commander. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty prohibitive. No, I hear what you're saying. I mean, like, I've got um, 1-6 to scale Hot Toy Snake with Snake Eyes and Stalker. You Beautiful. Know, that's a great $400. Period. Well, you know, later. But anyway. Um, $450. You asked a question earlier um, that, I would like to, that I would like to answer from my side. You asked which is the primary sideshow figure you should own uh, with a good runner-up. Oh, good, yeah. Get back on that. Uh, and I, I will definitely say, without a doubt, out of all of the sideshow toys I own, I think a Cobra Viper would probably be the number one pick because I love a lot of my sideshow toys, but I find that the Viper is very iconic. It's very its own thing. You look at it and you know it comes from, from G.I. Joe or you know it comes from something that's sci-fi. It's a damn good representation of a Viper. I look at it and I do get a really good realistic sense from it, which I love. It's got a lot of cool fidgety details, great weapons. It's got rope for repelling. It's got a very cool machete. And it's got those goggles, you know, that you see on all the the Viper helmets. They're obviously removable. And it also comes with an alternate head, which is pretty cool to have because you could put the goggles on him or whatever. And it looks pretty badass. And I just think he is a definitive sort of Sideshow figure because he shows you how Sideshow can take a 1 to 18 scale concept and make it very cool and believable. A good runner-up to that would be the Rock and Roll. And Ooh, so that's two times a runner-up rock. rock. So that makes rock him a rock. primary choice too. Oh, so we have three. Three. Three, three you need for, to get. for my priority if I ever chose to get him. I want to throw a fantasy situation your way, gents. Mm-hmm. Just in closing, I suppose. Yeah. If these sideshow figures emerged in the mid-80s, while G.I. Joe was at its peak, and that is to say that they emerged in their current format, with yeah. the level of quality, attention to detail, and just head-to-toe perfection that a lot of the sideshow figures are, would you still get them with such tenacity? Ah. If I was to hazard a guess... And we are the I'd same age no. we are now. I'd say no. They're not the same age as we are now. Because no. Sideshow today is so geared towards customer convenience. Well, the fact that the comic book stores locally, in Rob's case, import these toys. Yeah. And the fact that for you, Rob, you have a relationship with Sideshow. I mean, they are quite tenacious about using the online medium to sell their, to peddle their wares. Definitely. That they, they have a relationship with you. They are in communication with you. Very uh, much. They phone me daily. <laughs> <laughs> and they've made it extremely easy to... To just to, know about them and this, be this influenced snowball by... Effect of like, so you bought our... So-and-so. You know, Baroness statue. Well... How about you want this? Do you want to put a pre-order on this? Black Widow statue. Looks just like Scarlett Johansson with giant lips. Looks exactly like the Baroness statue with a different head. Scarlett Johansson's likeness is amazing. 
It is actually quite amazing, it's I have incredible. to say. But that's Hot Boys, though, not Sideshow. Just to... Whatever. So No, there is a difference because the community... If you were having communities... to shop on eBay for Sideshow figures, if you were having to wade through the muck of... Oh, wait, is this a different point you're trying to go on now instead of the original one? Would we buy these? No, I, I'm still asking. Oh, okay, Would you buy you're these? expanding on this. If uh... it was between vintage Sideshow collectibles and vintage G.I. Joe... Uh, three and three quarter inch. Oh, okay. You're saying they came out then, and we had the option now to buy these as, as if they were vintage. Yeah. Hmm. And we were kids. No, you're okay. You we're adults. We're here who we are now, but when we were kids, there were the Sideshow stuff came out then. Okay, yeah, I can't answer that, and it's quite sad. Although, bearing in mind that I am probably the only one of the three of us who actually owns a Hall of Fame. G.I. Joe Snake Eyes, which yes. was the big Snake Eyes that yeah. they released in 94. The big three. Uh, yeah. And it also had a fucking missile firing weapon. But anyway, I probably would go and... Fuck, I hate this. And Steve, fuck you for making a good point. <laughs> but I probably would have gone for the 1 to 18. Because there was a period in... I think it was 97, 98, around there... I walked into Reggie's, and I could be wrong with the t- uh, time here, because, you know, it's all meshed into one now that I'm 30. But uh, <laughs> I walked into a Reggie's, and a G.I. Joe logo caught the corner of my eye, and I just about, you know, crapped my pants. And then uh, upon closer inspection, it also, was that... you know, 30-year-old, that thing starts <laughs> happening more and more frequently, eh? Uh, uh, <laughs> But I was very disappointed because what it was was a one to six scale Jeep for that sort of World War Two G.I. Joe line that was one to six scaled. And I was kind of let down by that because I was really hoping that I'd found some kind of new logo for one to 18 scale stuff. So I think the the kid in me also wouldn't have appreciated it because when Action Man was a thing, I never bought an Action Man. Never. I never looked at it and went, oh, wow, I have to own one of these because I couldn't think of it going into vehicles or anything like that. So that's my answer. If I, I would... was to, to summarize, you're saying you, in hindsight, would have maintained the purity of your <laughs> Purity. Well, yeah, just lose sight of the goal of what G.I. Joe is. That's... Lose sight of the goal of what G.I. Joe is, what collecting the Master 18 figures. I mean... It... It scaling is so vital. <laughs> it is the key to GI Joe's success. Overshadowed by this, this they obsession took, with they took scale. Star, they took Star Wars's idea, Kenner's idea, to reduce the scale of figures, to allow for their interactivity with vehicles. They ripped the roof off in terms of the articulation and accessories that those figures came with. These were winning, you know, recipes to success. And then they put characters into these figures. Like original G.I. Joe, 12 inches and all, these were kind of like templates. They were avatars. You could inject your own personality into these guys. Whereas G.I. Joe, yeah, the characters really became a driving force because they were well fleshed out. Well, they had to be because they were so tiny. They didn't have enough detail for people to project their own personalities. And small parts. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Project onto a small part. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One of the main reasons uh, action figures went smaller was because plastic actually ended up becoming more expensive in America. And I and this is from the mouth of Hasbro themselves. 
on the G.I. Joe toy documentary that comes with the G.I. Joe TV series. And they actually said one of the main driving forces behind making toys smaller was that plastic was just expensive because of the oil price. Apparently, yeah, that had a huge impact on toys, on toy making. So well, we've come was, full circle now. We have indeed. One to six scale sideshow figures are bloody expensive because... Of course. Oh, man. My Alley Viper has a broken thumb. <laughs> oh shit, man! That's, that's not good. Really not. I that, that was a nervous laugh. That wasn't a gleeful laugh, by the way. <sighs> hey, my side trip figure's thumb is pretty a okay. <laughs> 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 and on that bombshell, <laughs> good night. <laughs> <laughs>